Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And we're off and running with a Thursday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. Another very busy hour coming up as we keep you updated with all things IU and Southern Indiana sports each day here at 11 o'clock. Let's look at the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany, segment one. In just a few moments, Matt Weaver, the football writer for Pigs.com, will join us. I know IU football is struggling. I know it's not going to get any easier this weekend when IU goes to the big house and takes on Michigan, a one-loss Michigan team, by the way. But we've got to talk some IU football today, and Matt will join us here in just moments to do so. Also, later in the program, Thursdays, Alex Bozich inside the hall. He's always with us as we talk IU basketball, and the season effectively is here for men's uh, for college basketball. Games get underway Monday, Tuesday, the Hoosiers play Tuesday night. So this is the last conversation I'll have with Alex that you can consider off-season or preseason until maybe sometime in March uh, is, I think, the hope of all Indiana fans. So Alex Bozich with us to get ready for the season a little bit later in the program. And then we start our high school basketball previews today. Uh, We'll be talking with every coach in the area coming up here over the next two to three weeks before Thanksgiving to get you all set for Southern Indiana high school basketball. And first up today is Todd Sturgeon of Floyd Central. The Highlanders are going to be good, and the Highlanders are going to be big, and we'll talk with him about his team coming up a little bit later in the program today. That's the show lineup, a service each day of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And our daily reminder that the Thornton's text line is open. We'd love to hear from you, your questions for our guests, your comments, It doesn't matter if it's IU stuff, football, basketball, local sports, high school basketball. Coach uh, Sturgeon, a question for him. Uh, Send us a text to 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. And don't forget, you can download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. And I want to remind you as well, I've had a couple people do this lately, and I've had some questions. They said, Matt, I don't listen to the radio show live on the Big X at 11. Can we still send in questions or topics that we'd like to hear you talk about, or can we still sound off about uh, IU basketball? Absolutely. Uh, send your text in. We'll always go back through and see if we can locate them before we come on the air. I know some of you catch the podcast in the afternoon or at night or even early in the morning. Uh, no matter how you listen, we're glad to have you. That text line is open to you 24 hours a day, and we'll do our best to locate what you've had to say and make sure it gets on the program, 502 414 
50. Okay, our first guest, Matt Weaver, Pigs.com with us. He's our go-to for IU football. And, Matt, I know that uh, this is a big game coming up. Obviously, Michigan is having a great season. IU needs wins. They've got to win out to have an opportunity to go to a bowl game. Uh, Is there any chance from what you've seen with this IU football team, with Donovan McCauley expected to be the starting quarterback once again this season, with maybe the offense performing a little better last week, can IU keep this close? Can IU put it together and pull off an upset? Or is this like an Ohio State-Penn State game where Indiana's just so overmatched, you might as well not even get your hopes up? Well, you know, I don't want to say anything's impossible or say never, but you know, just based on how the two teams have been performing this season and, you know, with the issues Indiana's had on offense, um, you know, their weaknesses, you know, are not a good matchup for Michigan strengths when it comes to IU's weaknesses on offense and Michigan strengths on defense. Michigan strengths on defense is they got a good D-line. They got two guys, Aiden Hutchinson, I apologize, the other guy's name escapes my memory, but two D-ends that are really good at getting after the quarterback, um, and Indiana struggled to block, uh, to run the ball for run, you know, run blocking to protect the quarterback. You know, I mean, they've essentially got, um, you know, they've essentially got two guys, two guys hurt because they couldn't protect them and Michael Penix and Jack Tuttle. So, and then you're having a, asking the true freshman to go into the big house, hundred plus thousand people, and a Michigan team that's going to be, you know, uh, pretty annoyed after what happened last week to them up over in East Lansing. Um, you know, so I guess if they're looking ahead or maybe they're having a letdown, um, you know, but I just think with all the issues Indiana's having on offense and, and, and the things they're struggling with and then, you know, playing up there, it's going to be a tough game. I don't want to say it's impossible. We've seen things happen. We've seen teams come out and, and, and pull upsets. And, you know, Indiana, I think there's they, they showed last year they could beat Michigan, obviously, but this is a different team, and they're just not playing like they did last year. Matt, a one-loss Michigan team. The end of that Michigan State-Michigan game last week was wild and crazy. Uh, You mentioned IU able to beat Michigan a year ago. Every time I've flipped on Michigan this season, and I haven't watched them play a complete game or even really a complete half, I watched a lot of the Michigan State game last week, but they just look like a different ball club from one season ago. Yeah, they're definitely better. I mean, I I hate to just look at stats because those don't always tell the whole picture. But, you know, offensively, they averaged like 20 points a game in the Big Ten. Obviously, every game last year was a Big Ten game because there was no non-conference games because of the COVID season. But this year, Big Ten play, they're averaging 34 and a half. So they, they basically have increased their scoring by two touchdowns. They were one of the worst rush, rushing teams in the Big Ten last year. Uh, this year, they lead the league. They're averaging 240 yards. I think last year, they were like 130-something. So it's over 100 yards a game better. You know, they're not, they're not a great passing team. Cade McNamara, he didn't pass the ball, you know, pretty well against Michigan State. I think that was more because of how the game was going. But that's not really their forte. They do have some they have talent at receiver like they always do. Um, but they're you know, they're gonna try to run the ball, uh, play great defense and get after Indiana, you know, kinda jump on them and then kinda dictate the flow of the game, you know, uh is you know what I'm sure what they want to do. So and try to take you know, try to kinda basically kinda destroy the will of Indiana early on and, and for the team that's, you know, lost what, four in a row um, and is you know the last couple of weeks has, has you know kind of uh, you know gotten away from them defensively um, against Ohio State Maryland you know it's like I said it's going to be a tough game Indiana's their back their backs are against the wall this is exactly what we talked about early in the season that you couldn't have happen when you lost some of the games that really were winnable you know like uh, Cincinnati like Michigan State games that you were in there you had a chance to win and quite honestly should have won 
now you're in a spot where you're it's almost an impossible task. Yeah, Matt Weaver, Pigs.com. We're talking IU football to begin our Thursday program. I think one of the highlights for this Indiana team in a season of disappointment uh, has been Peyton Hendershot, uh, tight end, obviously, for the team. I think you could call him one of the best tight ends in the country. Uh, Indiana's got to find a way to do more with him and to get him even more involved than what he already is based on what he's been able to do, even in an otherwise, I think, mostly disappointing season for the program. Yeah, and it's a shame for Peyton because, you know, one of the one of the side effects of their offensive line struggling is they, they, they have to leave him in to block. I mean, you know, you saw it against the in Michigan State. He was left in to block a lot because they're having trouble protecting the quarterback. And, you know, it takes away a really, really good – quite honestly, this season, their best, their best receiver, their best skill player um, going out and catching passes, in my opinion, has been Peyton Hendershot. And I don't – you know – DJ Matthews early on was really good, but I mean, you know, obviously he got hurt, but I don't think it's really close. I mean, Ty Fry Fogel has not had a good year. Miles Marshall, the whole receiver crew really is, has been disappointing, but Peyton Hendershot has been fantastic when given the opportunity. And you can tell he just looks like a different player um, from last year. Um, he's just the way he's playing. And, and, you know, Coach Allen's talked about how he turned his life around. Everybody knows about the incident uh, a couple off seasons ago. Um, and, you know, it's kudos to him. He's worked hard. He's had some injuries he had to deal with, and he's gotten past those. And, and I think this guy's got a, a real shot at the next level. He looks like a modern-day NFL tight end, a guy who can split out, catch the ball, and then he can also block for you a little bit. Um, but, I, I uh, you know, he deserves all the good stuff coming to him because of how hard he's worked, and it's a shame it's kind of getting wasted on a team that's having a, such a disappointing year. Yeah, no question. I was reading a, a story from the Michigan side, uh, like a preview story in advance of Saturday's game, and uh, the Michigan coach building up, obviously, Indiana. He said uh, that they are better than what their record is, and that's kind of a common phrase to tell your team and local media uh, to be respectable to opponent that's coming to town where you're the favorite and to keep your guys engaged. But do you feel like uh, Indiana is better than what their uh, dismal record shows right now because of the Big Ten this season, because of how tough Indiana's schedule really across the board from non-conference to conference has been? Um, yes and no. I mean, like I said, I don't think it, they, they, they should have won the Cincinnati game. That's a game that at halftime you should have been up 28-7. You were inside the 10-yard line twice, turned it over once, got stopped on a fourth and one because the quarterback couldn't handle a snap. You fumbled the second half of the two-yard line. I mean, it's a game you should have won. Everybody's talking about Cincinnati and how they're getting a, a shaft you know, in the, in the rankings, and they probably are, but the bottom line is they really shouldn't even be in there. Indiana should have beat them. Uh, the Michigan State game is another game. You, you, you held them to 13 points. You gave them a pick six. Um, that gave him a touchdown, and it's another game where you had the ball down the red zone multiple times, and you were kicking field goals. So, in some ways, yeah, but this offense has just been so it's just not good. I mean, until Maryland, you really haven't done anything on offense in the Big Ten play, um, and Maryland this year defensively has struggled. That's you know they they've not been very good. So, yeah, in some ways, I mean, I think their record you can make an argument they should easily be four and four. Um, but at the same time, you know, you could have lost the Western Kentucky game. You let them hang around when you should have let you shouldn't have let them hang around. Um, you know, you, you obviously played Idaho, so that's not much of a test. So in some ways, yeah. But I mean, your two best wins are Idaho. Or your two wins, not best wins. Your two wins are Idaho and Western Kentucky. You haven't done anything against comparable against comparable programs. So um, while you should have a couple more wins, 
Yeah, you, you know, to me, your record is is what you are. And Indiana's a two and six football team, and they're just not playing good. Yeah, no question, Matt uh, Weaver, dot com, our guest. I I, I want to look ahead here uh, real quick, and I'll get back to. I want to talk Donovan McCauley with you as well. But I, I've heard a lot. I had a couple couple people send me tweets from down in Texas from the high school football program, and I can't remember Josh's last name, but a future IU quarterback, a commit to the program, having a really good season down there, setting some big marks and records in Texas high school football. Uh, I know we've talked about recruiting, how it could be affected by an offseason here by Indiana after a lot of momentum in recruiting in the transfer portal leading into this season. Where do things stand with recruiting? And update us on this uh, QB prospect from down in the Lone Star State that's having uh, quite a year. Yeah, you're talking about that's Josh Hoover. From, yeah. uh, he's from Rockwell, Texas, which I believe is in the Dallas area, um, uh, Rockwell Heath High School. Um, fantastic year. He's not a big guy. He's listed at 6'1", 206, but can really throw the football. His team's having an awesome year. They're 8-1. and one. They play great, great competition. Um, he has thrown for, uh, in nine games, he's thrown for 2,300 yards, 27 touchdowns and only four picks, and he's completing over 60% of his passes. So he's having a fantastic year. Um, you know, so far recruiting's kind of in a standstill. I mean, you got still got the 14 commits. Um, and until they kind of know, you know, because because of the free year everybody got last year, until you kind of know, you know, what guys may come back. I mean, you could have some seniors who normally would be leaving because their eligibility would up be up could come back. So until you kind of have an idea, and then there's going to be more. There's going to be more attrition. We've already had seen some guys transfer, and more guys are going to leave. It's just the nature of the beast. What's different now is the guys are leaving mid year, whereas before they usually left at the end of the year. So some of those guys who leave at the end of the year are still going to leave. Uh, you know, what rains we've seen, who it'll be. But, you know, I think recruiting will obviously pick up here in the next few weeks and, and for the staff as you get into because December's just around the corner, the December signing period, and then the transfer portal will definitely pick up. And I think they're going to be active in the portal, especially at positions like D-line, maybe O-line, you know, maybe receiver, running back, some positions, positions where you're just kind of thin or you have some, a lot of young guys. So we'll see. But Hoover's Josh is a great kid, really good baseball player too, outstanding pitcher. Um, and, you know, he's got a chance to be a really good quarterback for Indiana down the road um, uh, if you can put the right pieces around him. Matt Weaver, Peaks.com. All right, final question for you. Uh, I assume Donovan McCauley is the starting quarterback on Saturday. There have been no further updates that I have seen this week about Michael Penix or Jack Tuttle as far as their health is concerned, but doesn't it make sense at this point to give the freshman as much experience as possible looking ahead to the future? Yeah, and I, I mean, we're going to get Tom Allen here in about 10 or 12 minutes on a Zoom call. He's not going to give anything away, even if Jack Tuttle or, and or Michael Penix could play, which I don't think they are going to be available. He's not going to give that away. Um, you know, when I hear week to week, I, I don't, I, that tells me that they're a long way off from playing. Now, I could be wrong on that. I know they started to do some stuff, but I would, yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I said this before, I didn't think Don McCauley should be redshirted this year. I thought he should have played because you're not keeping – good quarterbacks aren't staying at one school for five years. So you need to play these guys while you have them, use them, get as much out of them as you can, and I would play him the rest of the year because he's the future. And you need to see what you have. You need to let him get as many reps as possible playing against all these different Big Ten teams and let him get a feel for it. He made strides against Maryland. He made a lot of mistakes, but he made strides, and hopefully that continues. But uh, to me, you got to play him. Even if these guys come back with a game or two to go or three, you need to play Don McCauley significant minutes because he's the future quarterback at least right now at indiana 
Yep, no question. Matt Weaver, Pigs.com. Great coverage of IU football, all the press conferences, all the games, all the opponents. Uh, Matt Weaver, Pigs.com has you covered. You can follow him at MB <laughs> underscore Weaver on Twitter. Matt, always appreciate the time and you being with us to talk Hoosier football. We'll do it again next week, I'm sure. Okay, take care, guys. Have a good weekend. Absolutely. We'll head to a commercial break, and when we come back, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall joins. We are days away from the IU basketball seasons, kicking off on Tuesday night when the Hoosiers host Eastern Michigan. With all of the lack of excitement right now around IU football, uh, it's all with basketball. Everybody excited about this Hoosier team. What can they accomplish this season? And people want to see Mike Woodson lead the team back to the NCAA tournament in year number one. What a big goal that is. And we'll talk about uh, all of that and more with Alex after this on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. Okay, we're back here on this Thursday program. Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall is my guest as we always talk IU hoops in this segment. And you can read more about Alex's work at InsideTheHall.com and follow him on Twitter at InsideTheHall. Alex, uh, lots of questions about the upcoming season, lots of excitement as well. And I want to start with the point guard situation at Indiana. This has come up before, but as we are days away now from the first game for the Hoosiers, Rob Fennessey, Xavier Johnson, one or both in the starting lineup. And what kind of year can this be playing time-wise for Christian Lander, who reclassified, left Evansville Wrights High School early, uh, went to IU basically a year ahead of time, and came in with all sorts of national prominence. His ranking was high, uh, lots of thoughts that he could be a really good player for IU after a season or so. How do you see the point guard situation shaking out as we near this opening game for IU? I uh, yeah, I mean, I think Xavier Johnson is the clear uh, front runner leading into the, the season opener uh, in terms of who's likely to start at point guard. But I don't think it's an open and shut case uh, in terms of you know does he keep the job all season? Is he playing the most minutes consistently? I think one of the, the, the good things about the situation that Mike Woodson has going into the season is if Xavier Johnson doesn't play well or if he has a couple of games where he's not uh, doing uh, the things that Indiana needs him to do to win, that he's got options on the bench. Rob Finnessy, obviously, is uh, one of the most experienced guards uh, in the Big Ten. This will be his fourth season uh, in Bloomington. He's definitely a guy that they're going to, I think, be able to rely on, at least defensively. Uh, we'll see offensively what he's able to bring to the table if he's playing with more confidence. And then to have Christian Lander, a former McDonald's All-American, who is still only 19 years old, Matt, which, you know, I, I was uh, actually looking at some of the ages of, of Indiana's players this morning. Uh, just I was It just kind of piqued my curiosity. I was just kind of looking up and down the roster. And, and Lander, uh, still uh, the third youngest player on the team. And so uh, he still has a lot of room to grow. And, 
I think having uh, all three of these guys available, I think at various points in the season, uh, different guys are going to play uh, different uh, roles and in, in different amounts of minutes. But, you know, go, going into the season, I definitely think it's, it's Xavier Johnson's job uh, to start at point guard. But I don't think we're going to see a situation where he's playing 34, 35 minutes a game and then Rob Finnessy and, and Lander aren't getting any opportunity. I think it's going to be – uh, a situation where at least two of those guys are playing regularly and you could see Lander sneak in there too, uh, depending on how he develops and, and maybe earn himself 10, 15 minutes a game. All right, Alex, I'm going to ask this question. I, I hear it from fans, from listeners from time to time, so I'll, I'll pose this question to you. After the lack of opportunities that Christian Lander had last year, and you could say that it wasn't Archie Miller's fault, I'm not sure that he was that impressive when he was in there, but because Xavier Johnson is obviously going to take up a lot of minutes at that position, and Rob Finnessy, we've heard the IU coaches brag on him about his improvement and his leadership, and his defense has always been something I think that people have coveted, but if Lander doesn't get more opportunities and more playing time, Given the world of college basketball today, isn't he a prime candidate for the transfer portal after the season? I mean, I think it's possible. Um, I would say, looking at this um, objectively in terms of upside in the roster, um, if I'm looking at the long-term potential of all three players, I, I honestly still like Lander better than, than Johnson and, and Finnessy. I mean, is he going to be the most productive of those three players this season? Uh, probably not. Is it going to be a situation where maybe he does end up having to go somewhere else to reach his full potential? It's possible. But like I said, he's really should only be entering his freshman year of college. He, he moved up a year. He was obviously young. Um, I, I kind of throw last season out the window. Um, it, it all depends uh, in my, in my mind, how patient he's willing to be. Is he going to be willing to accept a, maybe a lesser role this season you know, if the team's doing well and playing well, and it's an opportunity maybe for him uh, to come along slowly, and, and then maybe next year he takes on a bigger role. I don't know his thinking behind the scenes and kind of what he's expecting out of his role, but in terms of long-term potential on this uh, on this roster and point guard, I still like Lander uh, as much as any player. Alex Bozich inside the hall. My guest, don't forget the Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450, sending your questions about IU basketball. Alex, we've talked a lot. Everybody has this offseason about TJD and what Coach Woodson had to say when he first got the job, things that he feels like uh, Trace needs to work on to be a better professional player, have a better opportunity to get drafted uh, at the best spot possible. We've also talked a lot about uh, Michael Durr, just because he's so big, he's an intriguing prospect coming in, and we've also talked about his health and wondering what his status is as we get ready for the season. But one player we haven't talked a lot about uh, and what his development has been this offseason is Race Thompson. He's going to be another key player in the front court for IU this year. Uh, how could he fit into this Mike Woodson uh, NBA-style four-out, one-in offense? He's going to fit in because, uh, you know, he hustles and plays as hard as anybody on this team, and that's not to take anything away from anybody else, but he's going to it's going to be a necessity for him to play a lot of minutes just because of what he brings from not only – experience standpoint but like I said he gets after it and he's going to do what uh, the coaches ask him do to do in terms of his role I think we've talked about this before Matt 
going back to when I first saw Race Thompson play, the spring of 2017 on the AAU circuit, Archie Miller had just taken over as Indiana's coach, and I got a chance to watch him down in Dallas. Uh, he's playing for D1 Minnesota at the Adidas Gauntlet stop down there. And Race Thompson was a guy that stepped out regularly uh, in that event, and he shot 15 to 18-foot jump shots. He shot the three-point ball occasionally, made those shots. It was something that he did regularly in high school. Uh, his role at Indiana so far hasn't been one that, uh, you know, they allowed him or asked him to do that. Whether that changes this year, I don't know, but I know it's something that I've seen with my two eyes that he's capable of doing. Um, I think some of it may have been fit and kind of how Indiana wanted to play. Will he get that freedom? Uh, that kind of remains to be seen, but it's something that I do know he's capable of doing. And so uh, if he's going to play together with Trace Jackson Davis and they want to avoid clogging up the lane or having these situations that we saw in the past where you're playing two and even sometimes going back to when Justin Smith was on the team, three big guys that couldn't really space the floor, Mike Woodson's going to want to avoid that. So I think he's going to have to give uh, some freedom to, to race or trace, and I think those two will, will be in the starting lineup playing together uh, quite often, and it'll be interesting to me to see how it all works out. I don't necessarily think every every possession down the court you're going to see four out, uh, one in, I do think you're going to see times where uh, those guys are given a little bit of freedom to shoot the, the three ball, and they should be because I think you got to trust them a little bit and trust the work that they put in on the, in the off season and let them actually go out there and try some things. Just particularly with the schedule early on, you know, Indiana's going to have a lot of games at home where they're playing overmatched op- uh, opponents, so it's not going to hurt uh, to let those guys have an opportunity to do those things early in the season. If it works and they can build some confidence, I think it's something that they can use throughout the season. Alex, I've got some other questions for you, but what you said about the schedule, when I look at this schedule in advance of next week when things get underway, I know that you might say some fans, oh, underwhelming, there's no sexy big opponents uh, in the non-conference part of the schedule. But I think given Indiana's situation – where they've been at, where they were last year, not making the NCAA tournament now for a few seasons, uh, and Coach Woodson coming in, taking over, trying to figure this thing out and build for the future. This schedule has been put together, I think, very smartly by Woodson and the staff at IU. It's not one that's going to get the fans most uh, into it at the beginning of the season, but it could be a schedule as Indiana moves forward into conference play into middle of February where this thing has been built the right way and put IU in a position to have the experience to tinker and experiment, also get some wins they need for the resume, uh, and then uh, gear up for the big games down the stretch when they're going to need to have some big performances to boost that resume and to make sure they get into the tournament. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about this before too, Matt. The, the Big Ten this season uh, is going to be good enough to where it's not really going to matter too much what happens in the, in the non-conference. Now, I'm not saying that Indiana – can go out and lose four or five non-conference games and then expect to be able to just go into the Big Ten and uh, do some work there and, and be safely in the tournament. No, they need to take care of business because I, you look at those 11 games, you know, I, I see really, you know, who, who knows what could happen in a guarantee game on a given night at Assembly Hall, but you kind of look at the season uh, as, as a whole and you look at the St. John's game, you look at the Notre Dame game, you look at the Syracuse game as the three that – are really kind of intriguing for the non-conference. The other eight games, you look at Indiana should win these games. So I um, I think the, the strength of schedule, uh, you know, is not really going to be all that 
important uh, when it comes down to making the NCAA tournament, what they did in the non-conference, because the Big Ten is good enough that they, they're going to play so many games that are considered quad one from a tournament seeding perspective that if they you know go 500 or better uh, in conference play, they're going to have a really good chance to make the tournament. So uh, in this particular season, I like that they've gone a little bit lighter on the schedule. I know it's going to be come somewhat repetitive as we kind of go through November and December. Matt, I feel, you know, there's going to be a lot of weeks when, when you and I are talking after games and uh, we just watched Indiana beat somebody by 25. What did we really learn from that? But I think for this team and implementing a new system, bringing a lot of new players in, I think it's smart uh, to give yourselves, uh, or for Indiana to give itself some, some runway there uh, to make adjustments and, and learn as the season goes along. Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guest. Back to some questions about the upcoming season. You know, one of the big things that stands out about Indiana basketball, and unfortunately, it's kind of become a theme of the program, has been the lack of shooting, the lack of three-point shooting specifically. And obviously, you think the offseason, it's a time to improve, to work on things of that nature. And Miller Cop and some other additions as well, I, I think you assume that that is going to take a jump in a positive direction this year. But I think that's going to be one of the big keys. It's so obvious that it's it's almost kind of, I think, repetitive to say, but can Indiana shoot the ball better than what it has the last, I don't know, two, three, four, five seasons even? It seems like it's been something, uh, been a problem now for some time. Yeah. Um, sorry, Matt. Repeat that one more time. So I missed the last part of what you said there. It cut out for a second. Can Indiana shoot the ball better than what it has the last okay. two, three, yeah, four, yeah, five yeah. seasons? It's been just a chronic problem. Yeah. I mean – I guess the good thing about it is they've been so bad that if they're just average, it's going to be, uh, you know, a huge uh, improvement. But um, I do like some of the pieces on this roster um, in terms of being able to uh, move the needle there. Uh, they did lose some guys uh, that can shoot from the perimeter. Obviously, Armand Franklin, Al Durham, uh, and Jerome Hunter, I think, were probably their three best perimeter shooters last season. Those guys are all gone, but you, you replace them with, Guys like Parker Stewart, Tamar Bates, uh, you know, maybe Anthony Leal takes a step forward. Maybe Rob Fennessey's uh, going to be uh, improved. Miller Cop coming in from Northwestern, he's shown that he can make shots uh, from the perimeter. Um, you know, I do think the roster overall is more balanced, and uh, it should lead to to some improvement. Uh, now, do I think this is going to be like one of the top fifty or hundred uh, from a percentage standpoint, three point shooting teams in the country? No, but, you know, as long as they can get to just be average, I think that's going to be a huge improvement in terms of what we've seen in the past. Talking with Alex Bozich inside the hall. A couple recruiting notes, Alex, before we let you go. I noticed that uh, William Job is going to be on campus for the November 12th game. And also yesterday, a player from Ohio named Austin Parks, who's in the 2023 class, he put IU in his top five. So it seems like this time of year in the fall, almost in a daily situation, there's some sort of recruiting news or list cut or visit set or someone coming to a game. Uh, lots of nuggets right now around 2023 as Indiana continues to recruit hard in that class. Yeah, it's uh, you know not all that surprising given that, uh, that re- given that recruiting was kind of shut down for so long that – the guys are going to now be interested in getting on campus. It's even more intriguing from an IU perspective for a lot of these players because they want to see up close what Indiana basketball 
um, is going to look like under uh, a new coaching staff. So that, to me, uh, makes a lot of sense that a lot of guys would be coming on campus. In terms of list cuts and all that, I mean, we had Gabe Cups last week. You mentioned Austin Parks. I think this is going to be uh, kind of a, a theme as we move forward. It, it seems like more of a focus is going to be on the 2023 class because realistically with 2022 and Noah Clowney uh, picking Alabama, there's really nobody left on the board. I think Indiana is going to go ahead and just sign these three players uh, this fall and then take their chances, I think, in the spring, see who's leaving, see who's coming back, and then they'll probably be going in the transfer portal unless a significant prospect uh, becomes available or somebody uh, you know, like a Tamar base was last year uh, comes comes open. I think really that's going to be uh, how things are going to shake out with the remaining 2022 prospects. Alex Bozich inside the hall with us Thursdays to talk IU basketball. Alex, I said this earlier when I was previewing the show today. Uh, this is our last conversation technically of the off season. Uh, when we speak again next Thursday, we will have seen Indiana play. We'll be right in the middle of some of these uh, pre or not preseason, but non-conference games and college hoops will be underway. So lots to catch up on here as weeks to come, and uh, thanks for being with us today. Absolutely, Matt. Thanks. Uh, uh, thanks for uh, the time, and we'll talk to you again next week. Absolutely. Alex Bozich, always with me Thursdays on the program. We'll head to a commercial break. As I do so, I want to give a mention to IU women's basketball. Uh, they are going to start the season ranked number seven in the USA Today WBCA coaches poll, which is the highest ranking ever uh, for the IU women's program. We'll head to a break. When we come back, our preview of the 21-22 high school basketball season in Southern Indiana officially begins here on the Hoosier Report. Between now and Thanksgiving, we'll be talking with all of the coaches here in Clark and Floyd Counties and some of the top players as well to preview the upcoming season. And we officially get it started today with Todd Sturgeon of Floyd Central. He'll join us in the next segment. We'll learn about the Highlanders and how big they're going to be this season. That's next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Thursday program. High school girls basketball games are underway this week, and the boys' season just around the corner. Official practices can begin on Monday across the Hoosier State. And at that point, uh, from Monday on, we'll be about two and a half weeks away from official games to start the year, and always fun that Thanksgiving week to get high school hoops officially underway in our state. Over the course of the next two and a half weeks or so, we'll be chatting with every high school basketball coach in the area and some of the top players as well to get you all ready for the upcoming season. And our first coach with us to do this preview, this season preview, is Todd Sturgeon, coach of the Floyd Central Highlanders. Coach Sturgeon enters year eight at Floyd Central, and he's been a really big guiding light for this Highlander program as they really have made some big strides in recent seasons. Coach Sturgeon, glad to have you and glad basketball season's just around the corner. 
Well, it's getting cold outside, so that's <laughs> the key that it's about time to to uh, toss the ball out, right? Yes, absolutely. Coach, I think uh, a lot of excitement around your team this year, but before we can chat about some of your players for the upcoming season, I think we would be remiss if we didn't visit uh, last year and a Highlander team that made it all the way to the sectional championship, a game I know you don't want to spend a lot of time talking about today. It was a classic game, a triple overtime loss to Jeffersonville and Seymour in the sectional championship. Of course, Jake Hydebreeder, a key, key piece to your program the last few seasons. Uh, he is now gone. Some other losses from last year as well. But uh, Jake Hydebreeder and company, a big part of some Highlander success in recent years. Well, there's no question. Jake was, uh, he made my job a lot easier, made me look a lot smarter on the court. You know, any coach will tell you if you have a guard who is a one-man press breaker and can just go get you a basket when nothing else is working, obviously uh, that's a guy that's going to be hard to replace. Jake's doing great now. He's at the Air Force Academy, and so uh, he's doing fantastic out there. And I think uh, from a basketball standpoint, from what I hear, he's got a chance to get in the mix this year. And so, uh, uh, you know, uh, just a great opportunity for him and a guy that we miss greatly. Yeah, absolutely, and awesome to hear the update on uh, Jake Hybrider. Great, great young man, great basketball player, very bright future, I think, ahead of him uh, on and off the court. Todd Sturgeon is my guest coach. Let's talk about your club for this season, and there are some notable returning players, but one theme about your team is you guys are going to be really big this season. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, we have the size like a college team. Now, if we could just uh, convince them to measure all the teams before the game and a lot rebounds according to size, then we'd be in great shape. But we're going to actually have to go out and, uh, and prove that, 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 make that size valuable. And so, uh, but, we, I mean, we, we have a, a, we could put a team out there that could be, you know, 6'4 and taller at all five spots. So, and then obviously with Wesley, you know, having a chance to have a seven footer as well is a unique thing uh, that most teams never get a chance to have. Well, you mentioned the seven footer. Let's talk about him. Wesley Selahusky is his name. I think I've got the pronunciation down, coach. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's correct. Although when I hear people (laughs) pronounce it incorrectly, it always makes me think that I don't know what I'm so. But, Coach, I'm not sure that a lot of area people will necessarily remember him based on his stats and playing time last season, although he did play a role for your team. But from what I saw in June with uh, your group in Summer League and from what I've heard from others that have seen him in some of the AAU and travel ball, not only has he grown, but he really has improved his game as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, first of all, I think big kids have a tendency to develop later. Uh, and, and he's kind of fitting that mode. And, and I think, you know, as no matter who you are and what uh, skill you're trying to learn, as you get better, then you start getting excited about it. And so he's working harder on his game than he ever has. And, and uh, is really starting to, uh, to, to play well and, uh, you know, can actually shoot the ball on the outside as well. But he, he has, some size that uh, not very many teams have someone comparable to him for sure. Coach Sturgeon of Floyd Central, my guess. One of the big names back is Caleb Washington. 
He's another player with size and length on your team, but Caleb can do a little bit of everything, whether it's in the paint or out on the perimeter. I really think Caleb will be one of the top players in our area this season. Tell us his role and how you've seen things come together for him in advance of this year. Well, Caleb is a is a terrific all-round player, uh, an excellent student. Uh, I mean, he's a joy to have around the team. And, uh, you know, he's just... Uh, continuing to develop i think for him you know can he be you know start to be a guy that's more of a of a high level defender uh you know can he take you scoring one more level you know all everybody on our team has uh you know kind of deferred to jake and been a complimentary piece offensively and so are we going to be able to take the next step is is it going to be caleb uh brady moore is another guy who was a first team all-conference player last year and uh, had a terrific kind of a breakout junior year. And uh, Cole Herod is another guy that uh, has a, you know, I think he had a 38-point game for us this summer one time as a guy that can score in bunches. So, you know, we all have the challenge of like, okay, who's going to take the next step and become, you know, the A player? Or are we going to be a team that's, you know, going to be one that's just going to be really balanced and you don't know who's going to be – the guy that scores the points on a given night. Uh, there's some advantages to both. Historically, I'm more comfortable when I know who's the guy that's going to go get the basket and who we can uh, play off of in critical times. But on occasion, we've had teams that uh, that have you know quite a bit of balance, and, and so we'll just see how that goes. You never know. You think you know as a coach, but you never really know till the season starts to to play out, you know, injuries and all sorts of things can play into that. So we'll just have to see how that goes. But I think we have the potential to have a lot of different weapons. Now, does that come to fruition? We'll have to see. You mentioned Brady Moore. He had 15 points in that sectional championship loss at Seymour. And Cole Herod, I can remember him, I think as a sophomore, getting some minutes for you coming in uh, against rivals, hitting big threes and kind of becoming an outside shooting threat especially. And I know his game has developed as well. So those, in addition to Washington and Sola Husky, the big guys who, who may get a lot of the early chatter, uh, both Herrett and Moore, very, very solid players that, again, as you've discussed already, I know will fit in nicely with your group. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, a guy that we haven't talked about who's been kind of waiting his turn, Kyle Potts, is a guy that, uh, you know, his play may go, you know, maybe as important as anybody in determining how far we can go, uh, you know, as a guy that makes maybe makes it difficult for teams to press us. And uh, he's shown signs of becoming a more consistent shooter and, uh, you know, and could be a guy to go out and pressure teams defensively. So I think he has the potential to be a guy. And uh, Tevi Ali is another guy out on the perimeter who's improved. And so uh, those guys have an opportunity to compete for Jake's minutes and, and uh, be the guy with the ball in their hands. So, you know, we have a lot of question marks, but I'm excited. I think we have a lot of potential and uh, look forward to see how this whole thing is going to play out. Coach Sturgeon of Floyd Central, our first coach with us as we preview the high school basketball season here daily 
on the Hoosier Report. Between now and the start of the year, we'll have all of the local coaches on. Coach Sturgeon, one other thing I wanted to bring up today is your schedule. And uh, you methodically, I believe, and we've had some discussions on and off air about this before, have worked to improve the schedule to make more trips to Indianapolis when necessary, whether it be for good competition, exposure, or both. And as I scroll down your schedule this year, your Highlander team will open on the road November 30th at Meade County, Kentucky, and the home opener will be, uh, I guess, a little bit later. Actually, the new Albany game after you play a neutral site game will be the actual home opener for your team. But as I go all the way down from start to finish, whether it's rivals that you know are going to be on the schedule, whether it's Bloomington South, Louisville Ballard, Indianapolis Pike, Avon, and there's others as well, this is a very, very good schedule for your team this year to find out uh, in advance of the postseason when it all counts what you've got and what you need to work on. Well, yeah, we're trying to find ways to challenge our team and get us ready. You know, when you have to play, you know, New Albany, Jeff, uh, Jennings County is going to have a lot to say about how things play out in our conference and sectional. Uh, we need to be tested. And, uh, and then the other thing is, we, I mean, part of it is by design and part of it is by necessity. Uh, we've just, as we've gotten better, we've gotten dropped by teams. And so as we've lost Castle and St. X and teams like that here in Jasper, we've, we've had to go searching for games and, and there just aren't a lot of 4A teams. We're playing all the 4A teams uh, that are within two hours of us, and uh, except I think Columbus North, and we can't seem to work out a game that we both can agree on the date there. But uh, but anyway, we just find ourselves having to go farther and farther to to get quality competition or go across the border into Kentucky to do that. Coach, we've got about a minute left, and I want to get your opinion on the Hoosier Hills Conference this year. Listeners are familiar with your Highlanders and the Red Devils and the Bulldogs. We know year in and year out the coaches and, and how good those programs typically are. But the Hoosier Hills Conference, I think as a whole this year, is going to be much better. You mentioned Jennings County, but the HHC is going to be a tough one this year. Well, I think you know. I think you make an argument that everybody could, you know, Everybody that was on the, you know, we had a three-way tie for first last year, but everybody else may be better this year. And so, just as you mentioned, it could be, and we saw that last year in the sectional, all those games were close. It's it's not like, uh, you know, the, the, the three of, I say the three of us, the three teams here uh, in southern Indiana and the farthest south, uh, it's not like us and Jeff and New Albany just steamrolled everybody else. And so, uh, uh, and, and it, it'll be it'll be quite a challenge, I believe. And I think it could be a really interesting year to see how things play out and sort themselves out. You know, and I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody who finishes third or fourth in the conference step up and win the section. That could very easily happen. Yeah, absolutely. Todd Sturgeon, a Floyd Central coach, always enjoy our chats, especially during the season, and appreciate you coming on today to kind of kickstart our previews for high school hoops. We'll see your Highlanders and uh, yourself very soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Matt. Take care, buddy. All right. Todd Sturgeon of Floyd Central getting us started as we wrap up this Thursday program. We'll talk with all of the local coaches between now and the first games coming up the week of Thanksgiving. That's going to wrap up our Thursday show. Back with you Friday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>